Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Welcome, welcome, Sabbath morning. That's my <laughs> intro. Hi, it's Sarah. And this is Katie, and I was not expecting that, and that was kind of creepy. <laughs> in my ears, singing, welcome, welcome, Sabbath it's, morning. Uh, it's very triggering. You guys are going to turn on the podcast and be like, oh, no. no oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I guess... Thursdays can be the new Sabbath because that's when these release and we are just going to say that every time now. So welcome, welcome. Sabbath morning is now on a Thursday. <laughs> Our Thursdays are the new Sabbath. That's yeah. Great. Yes. Um, so yeah, last week was last weekend was conference, everybody, and we made it. We survived. We're here. Um, but before we get into it, I wanted to have a quick shout out to our newest patron, we already know her. We already love her. It's Tana. Hi, Hi Tana. Tana. <laughs> we know Tana. She's been on the show and is one of our biggest supporters. So thank you so much for also joining us on Patreon. We hope you like our content over there. Um, we just recorded a little mini episode over there, too, and that was fun. So That was yeah. fun. It's going to get your blood boiling when you listen to it. It's also about general conference, but social media style. Oh, gross. <laughs> the ch- you know, the, get off the church's hashtag, Sarah. <laughs> no, I'm like, ugh, I can't leave the church alone. I just, you just I follow can't leave it now. alone. You're so obsessed with it. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Oh, man. So do you have any announcements before we start? No, I don't think so. It's been a relatively quiet week. Nothing. Nice. Too exciting happening. I like that. Sometimes that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we got the idea. Obviously, we cover general conference every time it happens, which is twice a year. Um, And for those of you that don't know, I think you know by now, but it's the big event that Mormons have twice a year. It's broadcast on TV all over the world, and the prophets and apostles speak. And it's a big deal to Mormons. yeah, it's like those MLM parties that they throw, you know, at the end of each year of like, let's congratulate you for how much money you've earned the company slash church. We're going to throw a concert. And instead of it being like Lady Gaga, it's the Mormon Tabernacle. And then you have like all these prophets, like prophets, I'm doing air quotes, prophets. Yeah. Apostles who speak. So. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I can just smell, oh, my God, I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> the conference room? Yes. I just, it's like, it's similar to a church building, but just bigger, and there's more yeah. people, and there's too much perfume and bad breath trying to be covered <laughs> over by gum, and I just can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I went there once for like a tour maybe when I was in Salt Lake City, but I never actually attended General Conference mm. at the conference center. I think so. I just did once. And yeah, anyway. You're so much more righteous than me, Katie. <laughs> Obviously. No, Obviously. I never could be because I never went through the temple. Um. Oh, that's right. I went up you. I'm more righteous. <laughs> so more righteous. <laughs> Celestial Sarah, what up in me? <laughs> um, so Sarah found this. She sent this to me, it, which kind of like sparked uh, an idea for this episode that we ended up abandoning. But I wanted to tell everyone about it anyway, because it was funny. So it was on Instagram. 
And it says, general conference is coming this weekend with, like, a party emoji. Grab your free copy of this awesome fantasy general conference game to keep your family engaged through the entire weekend. Woo! So it's like, you guys. Y'all, I thought this was a joke. I actually thought it was, like, an ex-Mormon who was making fun of conference. Because, again, it popped up on my feed. So I was like, this has to be ex-Mormon. So then I clicked on it and I was like, oh shit, this is for real. Like this is a Mormon thing. (laughs) Yeah. So they're literally making it similar to fantasy football. I'm sure most of you know what that is. It's basically like where you gamble and you guess certain aspects of, in football, obviously it's the football game, but this, they were doing it for general conference and it was (laughs) I was reading this and like dying laughing because I'm like, they even realize how boring it is that they have to make a game out of it to get people interested in watching. <laughs> to keep you actually focused and interested in watching that shit for four hours for two days. No, it's more than that because then you have like women's conference. Yeah. Session, so. Yeah, so you have four hours Ooh. Saturday, four hours on Sunday, and then you have the women's or priesthood session too. It's It's nuts. Your whole weekend is gone. So they have like little um, categories where you're supposed to guess two locations of new temples around the world, <laughs> guess guess a specific topic that will be addressed during conference, and then there's like this area for personal revelation that was kind of confusing. Then you're supposed to guess four different songs that will be sung, and this was my favorite. This is where I just died. Guess what color the women in the choir will be wearing during each session. <laughs> How boring are Mormons? Good Lord. I know. And then you had like multiple choice, like how many temples will be announced and what will the weather be like? Like, oh my God. And then they just had all these areas where you were supposed to guess which session that the the general authority would talk in and you had to guess their topic. And if you guess them correct, you got different amounts of points. And then... (laughs) My fi- my next favorite was the penalties box where <laughs> <laughs> I remember this one. <laughs> if you did any of these things, you lost five points. So these five things are fighting, sleeping, using your phone, or leaving. <laughs> That's hilarious because I did all of those things. Maybe not fighting, but I definitely I. It's like as soon as they start talking, it's like their voices lure me to sleep. I instantly fall asleep. They're so boring to listen to. So So Sarah and I, I thought this was brilliant when she found this. And I was like, okay, we need to play this. We need to play General Conference Fantasy. But then the more I thought about it, and I think Sarah, you did too, we'd be like, (laughs) this is going to cause a lot of work because we're going to have to like either listen to everything or we're going to have to look every single talk up afterwards and see how many points we got. And I don't want to do that. So listen, unlike the Mormons, I just want to drink my coffee yeah. and have sex and do a lot of other fun things in my life. than listen to <laughs> Yeah. Coffee. We want to enjoy our weekends. Okay. <laughs> so here's the compromise. Here's what we did. We were going to just do our usual where we go to the church's website and pick out one of the talks each and like dissect it and talk about it. But the church, for some reason, hasn't put up the transcripts yet for yeah, every so talk. They're so behind. They're so behind. So I found a lovely article in the Salt Lake Tribune by um, Peggy Fletcher Stack, I believe her name is. And she summarized every single talk on there. And I went 
went through and I picked some that just seemed that kind of like caught my eye. And we're just going to go through the summaries of those. And that way, I didn't have to spend as much time on the church's website. I could just give my watch time to Salt Lake Tribune, which I support. Ooh, so that's good. <laughs> so much better. And I'm really excited about this because I can't read the Salt Lake Tribune here because of VPN. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I can't access it here in Germany. So every time I see these like really great articles, but I can never read them. So when you suggested it, I was like, oh, my God, that's great because I can't I can't look at yeah. it. Yeah, this is a good solution. So I'm going to start with Apostle Ronald A. Rasband. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So this is her summary, by the way, but she, you know, she's not, she's very um, renowned in the, at the Tribune. She's been at, she's been there for a long time. So anyone who's saying that she's taking this out of context, I promise you she's not. She's very like <laughs> professional. Okay. Yeah. So Apostle Ronald A. Rasband spoke passionately about what he said was, quote, another scourge sweeping the globe, which was a tax on your and my religious freedom. What? Yeah. So don't worry about the pandemic or wars or anything. The, the scourge that's sweeping the globe is the attack on religious freedom, Sarah. <laughs> Lord, no one's attacking you. No they, one's attacking like you pisses me off so much no one attacks religion it's the opposite religious folks attack non-religious people <laughs> it's such a victim mentality where they always just want to play the victim like we're being attacked no we just want you to keep religion to yourself exactly. and leave us alone and okay. keep it out of politics and yeah. everyday life that's all yeah. These attacks work to remove religion and faith in God from the public square, schools, community standards, and civic discourse, Rasband said. As it should be, Rasband. As it fucking should be. <laughs> Opponents of religious freedom seek to impose restrictions on expressions of heartfelt convictions. They even criticize and ridicule faith traditions. Such an attitude marginalizes people, devaluing personal principles, fairness, respect, spirituality, and peace of conscience. You know what? I don't think we seek to impose restrictions on, like, if someone's giving a heartfelt, I don't know, they're they're saying something heartfelt about their religion. Like, no. I, I, if I come across those all the time on social media where people are, like, bearing their testimony or whatever, and I don't, like, report their post and oh. I don't comment on it or even... I don't do anything. It's like, I don't care if you're doing that necessarily. I just don't want you to expect me to believe the same thing. Exactly. And I don't. Or to influence politics again, yes. education. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's my thing. It's the same as if, like, you have friends in real life who, you know, they talk to me about being Mormon still or, like, talk about whatever they may believe in. I'm never like, um, could you not talk about that around me? I just listen but they obviously know that I don't believe in that anymore I'm not trying to stop them or censor them yeah like it's them that does that to us like imagine yeah. if you would ever just talk openly about being atheist to a Mormon oh they would get so they would lose their shit yeah yeah they'd bear their testimony and explain why we're wrong and blah 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 it's like yeah and make things really awkward and uncomfortable and be like I need to leave because the Holy Ghost is left here <laughs> You know, like Satan has entered the chat. <laughs> Satan has possessed your body and we need to leave. Yeah, but for real, it's like as long as you're what we care about is your religion. So first of all, just don't impose it on me. And second of all, don't influence laws that harm others. And your religion 
try, you know, actively harms, especially like LGBTQ people. And so that's where we're at. Okay. And then it goes on in the LDS church's beginnings, opposition, persecution, and violence plagued our first Latter-day prophet Joseph Smith and his followers. (laughs) Oh, again, more like he imposed that on everyone else. Yep. And they, they just always, they cling on to this, like, how much Joseph Smith was persecuted and he was a victim and they all are too. Poor them. All of us are the bad ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's essentially what he says. He says in response, Smith published 13 fundamental tenets of the growing church, including this one. We claim the privilege of worshiping almighty God, according to the dictates of our own conscience, and allow all men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where, or what they may. And you know what that should include? worshiping nothing you should have us worship nothing and leave us the fuck alone (laughs) exactly it's such a double standard like include that in there like you don't have to worship anything or you could worship the goddamn dirt it doesn't matter like if you're gonna worship (laughs) i I love that i don't remember what episode it was but you said if you want to worship a cauliflower worship a cauliflower (laughs) (laughs) that was clearly when we were on a cauliflower kick we were probably eating cauliflower cheese cauliflower everything (laughs) yes (laughs) but no it's so true it's like yeah if if you really did believe that then why are you so obsessed with missionary work and like not letting people worship how they want you want to convert them to your way of worshiping Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the next one that I have here is from President Russell M. Nelson himself, which Sarah and I have decided we're renaming him Russell M. Burns. Mr. Burns. Everyone. I mean, he's like the perfect human. I don't even know if he is human, but the perfect like <laughs> real life version of the cartoon character, Mr. Burns. Like it's I insane. Mean, it's it's uncanny. Sorry, it's so uncanny. <laughs> Okay, um, we we somewhat touched on this in the Patreon episode, but I wanted to talk about it here, too, because yikes. Okay, I have been to Ukraine and Russia many times. I love those lands, the people, and their languages. I weep and pray for all who are affected by this conflict, Nelson said. The church is doing all we can to help those who are suffering and struggling to survive. Okay, here's where I'm at. I'm like, I know that they've donated some stuff, right? But to say you've done all you can is just not true. It's not true at all. Like, I know they have donated, I think, and I could be totally wrong, but the last time I saw was like three or four million. Mm -hmm. But out of a hundred billion, you guys, you don't understand, like, or maybe you do. And (laughs) I I just, it's hard for me to understand. Yeah, the concept of that much money is difficult for me to grasp because it's, it's just like pennies so in their pockets. That's yeah. all three or four million is when it comes to that. And and this country, you know, like what Ukraine is going through right now, they that money could go so far and could help so much. Yeah. And they and yet they still expect the members of the church to give their tithing plus fast offering plus all of this instead of them, the church itself, just donating that money and doing as much as they could to help them. Right. Do what he said here. Do all they can. Right. Yeah. Because right now that is not the case. And it just pisses me off so much when he says shit like that. Yeah. And then the very next sentence is we invite everyone to continue to fast and pray for all the people being hurt by this calamity. You know what? It's just so insulting to say fast and pray. That's not going to do anything. Not a single thing is going to happen because of that. Insulting. Yeah. Um, So. (sighs) 
So this is her writing here. Um, she says, the Latter-day Saint leader considered a, quote, prophet, seer, and revelator by the faithful, urged members to, quote, end the conflicts that are raging in your heart, your home, and your life. Bury, literally use the word bury. Any wow, all- that's not insensitive at all. Wait, yeah. it is. <laughs> bury any and all inclinations to hurt others, whether those inclinations be a temper, a sharp tongue, or a resentment for someone who has hurt you. Literally push your feelings down and bury them and don't deal with them. Someone's hurt you, too bad, get over it. <laughs> wow. And that's relative to the war in Ukraine. That's right. Oh, so yeah. in order to help them, we just have to ignore our problems that we have and bury them and not deal with them. Mm-hmm. And that plus fasting and prayers oh, mean that the war will be over. Great. Obviously. Um, okay we have seen examples of both positive and negative momentum he said we know followers of jesus christ who become converted and grew in their faith but we also know of once committed believers who fell away hi that's me me. (laughs) momentum (laughs) we like i was raising my hand i don't know about you i Um, was i was raising the roof (laughs) (laughs) um momentum can swing either way We have never needed positive spiritual momentum more than we do now to counteract the speed with which evil and the darker signs of the times are intensifying. You know what that translates to? They're losing members at a fast rate. (laughs) And they're blaming it on evil and darker times. Blaming it on evil and the end of days because the end of days has been happening for centuries now. Oh, yeah. Since the beginning of when people invented religion, they were like, oh, the apocalypse. Um, (laughs) Okay. It will help calm troubled hearts, he said, amid the fear and uncertainty created by pandemics, tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, and armed hostilities. It can help members withstand the relentless wicked attacks of the adversary and thwart his efforts to erode our personal spiritual foundation. So I guess having like a positive spiritual momentum or converting faster to Mormonism is he's saying it's going to help see tsunamis and volcanoes and war. Oh, man. Why didn't we think of this before? So (laughs) toxic positivity means no wars and no natural disasters or famine. Oh. If, if the world was all Mormon, Sarah, natural disasters would just wouldn't happen anymore. It just would would disappear. It just they just cease. CJ up there would be like, "Oh, cool, you're all Mormon. I don't have to kill a bunch of you with an earthquake anymore." God, oh, that's amazing. Oh. I can actually stop. I can feed people with one extra loaf and one extra fish now. So that's. <laughs> Oh my Great. God. Great. Okay. Now here's one that um, I know everyone's going to hate, uh, but it's no surprise. This is Dallin H. Oaks himself, Dallin Homophobe Oaks. And, oh. uh, yep. True to form. Here we go. To reach the highest degree of celestial glory in the afterlife, mortals must follow the church's revealed doctrine and established commandments, including faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman we even surprise it's like he can't go two seconds without being homophobic. no he cannot fucking stop he's oh i feel like he's almost always the one too that gives these he just like relishes in talking about this shit 
Um, Okay. That is why the faith teaches, Oak said, that gender is an essential characteristic of individual pre-mortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose. Fuck off. No, it's not. Ew. Uh, It is also why God has required the church to oppose social and legal pressures to retreat from his doctrine of marriage between a man and a woman, he said, and to oppose changes that confuse or alter gender or homogenize the differences between men and women. That's horrible. That is so fucking horrible. He's so vile to me. It's like, imagine being a young queer Mormon and hearing this. And at conference and just, or a young, you know, trans member who's listening in there and yeah, being like, wow, yeah. we already have laws that are trying to just basically do so much harm. And now we hear this at general conference. Yeah. Wow. And he's essentially saying that you as a person, your identity isn't real. Like, I don't, I, okay. Um, the church's positions on these fundamentals frequently provoke opposition. Well, no shit, because you're trying to take away the rights from people. Um, and you're just being a dickhead. Like, it's Yeah, so you're just being awful. And this is this leads to suicide. It's, it's terrible. Um, and we understand that, Oak said. God's plan allows for opposition in all things. And Satan's most strenuous opposition is directed at whatever is most important to that plan. So literally, he's saying Satan is using the LGBTQ community as a tool to wreck the family. Wow. I, you would think that, like, they'd ease up on this over no, time. And it's like they're trying to make the LGBT community even more, quote-unquote, evil to people. Like, look, oh, look what yeah. they're doing. They're yeah. ruining families and, and households. And look at how evil they are. You should see them as, like, horrible humans. It's, it's propaganda. It's, it, this, seriously, it's hate, it's hate speech it's hate is what it is. Speech. Yeah. Okay. The devil seeks to oppose progress toward exaltation by confusing gender, distorting marriage, and discouraging childbearing, he said. However, oh. we, know, yep, we know that in the long run, the divine purpose and plan of our loving Heavenly Father will not be changed. Oh, what a loving so, Heavenly Father that literally says that people don't exist. And, you know, I was he's, just about to say that. Like, how can you call him a loving Heavenly Father if he's like, hey, you can't be yourself and you need to feel shit about yourself for the yeah. rest of your life and never have happiness or love or anything like that because you're because just <laughs> you're just not fitting in the mold for my plan. Yeah. Um, um, indeed, these principles are spelled out in the church's 1995 family proclamation, he said, which is founded on irrevocable doctrine. Okay, so if anyone, any troll ever comes to us and says, oh, the family proclamation, that's that's not real doctrine here. An apostle said it's irrevocable doctrine. And what do you want to, what do you want to bet in like 20 or 30 years, they just try to bury that document? Oh, guaranteed. (laughs) The fact that they haven't already so far, because, you know, it's quite dated. It's 95. So, or 97, like the fact that they haven't, and they're still referring to it is like, hmm. And I wonder how many more years they'll, they'll give it before they bury it. So it is like the most transphobic and homophobic Uh document. It's so clear. It's yeah. Okay, 
Its declarations are, of course, different from some current laws, practices, and advocacy, such as cohabitation, heyo, and same-sex marriage. <laughs> but they defined the kind of family relationships where the most important part of our eternal development can occur. So apparently, I don't have an important relationship, and I nope. cannot develop any any characteristics that are important, supposedly. This is the last part. God desires all of humanity to strive for his highest possible blessings by keeping his highest commandments, covenants, and ordinances, all of which culminate in his holy temples being built throughout the world, Oak said. We must seek to share these truths of eternity with others. Wow. Yeah, no. No, no, no. We don't want to hear your shit. No, no, we don't want you to spread this through eternity. Like, absolutely not. No, I just, it makes me like sick to my stomach that they still say those things. I mean, obviously I'm not surprised because that's what they teach, but my heart hurts for jokes, found homophobic oaks. Yeah. Just, you know, enjoy some D. I don't know. I feel like maybe that's why he's so angry. Like, yeah. Is he just like jealous? jealous? I think he is. I really do. Like I've never seen someone that passionate about being hateful towards a group of people of humans than this guy. Like, it's just, I mean, maybe that's an exaggeration. I have seen that before, but like the fact that he's a religious leader. Yeah. That's it's so problematic. Mm Mm-hmm. And every single one of his talks is about the same thing. Every single one. So gross. Okay. The next one is by a member of the 70, uh, Jorg Klebingnet. I probably said that wrong. He's the Scandinavian one, right? He's German. Yeah. He's German. Oh, ach, ach so. Ach so. Okay. The native German said that the commandments, if not ignored altogether, have been rationalized into meaninglessness by many in today's world, and that messengers of God who teach inconvenient truths are often dismissed, making it almost impossible to courageously live our faith without occasionally attracting a few actual and virtual fingers of scorn from the worldly. (laughs) Sounds so German. I don't know why it makes me giggle, but it's... (laughs) Well, here's my virtual finger of scorn, Jorg, or however you say your name, because I, it's like, yeah, these, these, we do ignore a lot of your commandments because they're not real to us. (laughs) Real. And, and he's saying like, it's an inconvenient truth. And so they're dismissed. It's like, yeah, why would we listen to you when what you're teaching isn't real? I don't. It's not real and it's causes us. And it causes harm a lot of time. That's why the virtual fingers of scorn are up right now. My fingers (laughs) up, you guys. I'm scorning them. (laughs) I just have this image of like these gnarly fingers like shooting out hot lava and it's just like virtual fingers of scorn. Yeah. Oh, they're just such the victim because we're calling them out on their problematic shit, right? Okay, so but um, he added that faithful followers should not be intimidated or afraid. There is no need to sacrifice truth on the altar of agreeableness and social desirability, he said. And he defended members of the First Presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles who, quote, 
frequently become lightning rods for those unhappy with the word of God as the prophets proclaim it. Their words we should receive as if from the Lord's own mouth. So there you go. Whenever people say that like prophets are just men and blah, blah, blah. Nope. We've heard it so many times. If you believe the Mormon church and the Mormon doctrine, it is clear that the prophets are mouthpieces of God. So whatever they say should be a literal direct translation from whatever language CG or CJ speaks. Like (laughs) it should be like verbatim. So there's no misinterpreting, which is what I find crazy to me that people still believe that these prophets are quote unquote, like mouthpieces of God, whenever they change their direct, like doctrine or prophecy or whatever they give 20, 30, 40, a hundred years later. Yeah, I know. How can that even be? Like, how convenient, right? And I just, I hate, they like to use the phrase, oh, he was just speaking as a man when it doesn't line up. But when something that they say, you know, maybe does happen later, or they like what he said, then they, so they agree with him. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's from God. Like, how can you pick and choose? If it's literally the mouthpiece, like you would think that there wouldn't be such error in this sending exactly. and receiving of messages. Nope. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know the if they I- have bad reception. They need to check their <laughs> provider. I don't know. We need but- to get the IT department over there to the CJ <laughs> yeah. office because apparently, I don't know, there's some confusion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is from a member of the 70. Marcos, I, oh shit, I do kitis, I think. <laughs> okay. okay. Speaking on what has emerged as a theme of sorts during the Saturday sessions, General Authority 70 Marcos, I do kitis, stressed the importance of full-time missionary service, whether a teaching or service mission. So I included this because I think like a bunch of these apostles and the prophet Nelson or Burns. <laughs> um, Burns. <laughs> they like all, there was, it was really, really, really heavily hammered that you needed to serve a mission. And I thought that was interesting. And I wonder if that's because of the decline of membership. And so they're really trying to get more missionaries out there because it came up way more than usual at this general oh. conference. So I wonder if that was like part of the agenda. They had a meeting beforehand and were like, okay, so many of us need to talk about missionary work because we need to get our numbers up, you know? I bet so. Because yeah, there is like, I mean, I haven't recently looked at the stats, but I know when we last looked, it was like a huge number. It was like the great exodus, right? Of yeah, not yeah. just Mormonism, but I think religion in general. Yeah. Uh, like especially young people leaving. So uh, yeah, that would make sense that they're like pushing for yeah. I think young people especially. And then I do think that there was kind of a dip because of COVID. They weren't the best about COVID, but they did stop for at least a little bit sending Mm -hmm. out missionaries. So that might be why. And now they're just like, oh, we got to get our numbers up. I just imagine it. It's such a corporate setting, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's what it is. You lose members. That's like, you know, decline in revenue, right? That's no longer getting... Right. That tithing money coming in, and also mm-hmm. it's it's affecting their pyramid scheme. Like, yeah, or dropping power. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Distractions, he warned, often arise to dissuade individuals considering becoming a missionary. Among those he faced as a young Brazilian were risking his enrollment at his university, as well as a dentist who tried to persuade him not to go. I hate this so much. I've heard so many of these stories where people are like, I got a scholarship and I could have gone to university, but instead I went on a mission and I'm blessed for it. Oh, I know these these stories make me so sad because it's like you uh, or like when it's like a family member is ill or something, they're like, oh, I know, stayed, but I felt like I needed to go. And it's like you didn't, though. Like, it's so sad. You didn't need to go. And can we talk for a minute about just like, I just I feel so bad for especially young men who have mental health struggles. And it's already taboo enough in the church to to talk about mental health struggles, but like, imagine that pressure of being forced to go when you're that young and you're struggling with something and there's so much judgment if you don't go, even if it's something you literally cannot handle, either emotionally or physically, you're still like, you're, you're, you're kind of trapped into going, right? Yeah, exactly. (sighs) And you just have to deal with it. Like you just have to struggle and I mean where you're not dealing with it so you just have to like bear through the emotional and mental toll this takes on you especially if you're already struggling with those things and then on top of that you have to go on the mission for two years without the resources and help you need Ugh. and you're away from family and loved ones and it's you're in this so hard setting. it's so hard I think it would be hard for any like just any person who maybe is just doesn't have any physical ailments or mental struggles like even just that like the experience is tough but then there's every person's nuanced and also to give up the opportunity to go to university to go on a mission I just I don't get it oh it makes me sad yeah it makes me sad um dear youth throughout the world I do Kytus said I extend the same invitation that our prophet President Nelson has made to all of you to enlist in the youth battalion of the Lord to help gather Israel that makes it sound like Hitler's youth am I right Right. that's like so Mm -hmm. (laughs) culty he further quoted the church president stating There is nothing of greater consequence, absolutely nothing. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. Oh. Your whole meaning on earth is to go on a mission and convert people to Mormonism. Wow. That's no pressure at all. And no, like, I just wish they would value people for who they are and not what they can do for the church. Yep. Okay. They, can. they put all that guilt and pressure on you. I know. I know. It's awful. Oh. All right. So this next, I just have a little um, paragraph from Apostle Neil L. Anderson that I thought was kind of interesting. Oh, I don't He's, feel like I know this one. Maybe. It said, it is especially heartbreaking for church leaders and members when harsh or dismissive words about the Savior, his followers, and his church are spoken or published by those who once stood with us, took the sacrament with us, and testified with us of the divine mission of Jesus Christ. Oh my God, that's us, Katie. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I included it. I was like, oh, addressing us again. Sadly, not all will remain firm in their love for the Savior and their determination to keep his commandments. Um, I've noticed more and more of these in the past few years, and I think it's because of the rise of 
like podcasts like ours and other podcasts and people on YouTube and Instagram accounts and people who are actively speaking out. And so they feel like they need to address it. Like, oh, it's so sad. It's, it breaks our heart that they they speak harshly of us. Like, how do you think we feel when you say that we're going to, you know, be going to outer darkness or that we've been led astray by Satan? Like, I don't know. It's just like, oh, we feel so bad and it breaks our heart. Like, ugh. When they say that we're literally like possessed by demons and that yeah. we're horrible, evil people and that we're not truly happy, that everything we're doing is because we're bitter or we've been offended and blah, blah, blah. We basically have no brains of our own. We just got mm-hmm. upset, can't control our emotions, and we're like, fuck you guys, we're leaving. No, it's because it's not that at all, but yet we don't. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, we feel so bad. We feel so bad. Like, what? Why? Why do you feel bad? If you really cared about us as people, you'd just listen to what we have to say and you'd see that we're happier. And this life works. It works for us to not be in the church. Mm -hmm. But you would rather us be miserable and in the church is what you're saying. Yep. Okay, here's another one from Russell M. Nelson. Sarah, you quoted this a little bit on Patreon as well. But, um, oh, this is a great quote from Mr. Burns. <laughs> I just imagine him up there with all his money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since the last gathering, the world has been rocked by a conflict that is raining terror on millions of innocent men, women, and children, said the 97-year-old leader. Oh, he's 97. He's 97? <laughs> Prophets have foreseen our day when there would be wars and rumors of wars and when the whole earth would be in commotion. I just, it kills me. We talked about this on Patreon, but it kills me with the rumors of war. I just always imagine people be like, hey, there's a war. Oh, okay. Hey, did you see what that war was wearing the other night? Oh, Um, shit. Yeah. What, no, what he said wars. Like why? Yeah, why do you say rumors of wars? I know it's a, yeah, but also it, like Sarah and I said on Patreon, the, wars have been happening since the beginning of time, and yep. like uh, they've been happening our whole lifetime. So when they use this as, oh my goodness, the prophets foresaw this. Like, okay, first of all, no, they didn't, and secondly. They've always been happening. And thirdly, if they really did, why didn't they do anything to prevent it? Exactly. If they really have known this entire time, why do they keep quiet? Yeah, right. Or just why do you say such vague statements? If God really is talking right to you, he would have known that this would have happened and we could have done a lot of prep work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Okay, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Nelson said, has never been needed more than it is today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all we need is the gospel. Nothing else, just the gospel. That's all we need. To spread that word, he called on every worthy, able young man to prepare for and serve a mission. For Latter-day Saint young men, missionary service is a priesthood responsibility. And to Latter-day Saint women, missionary service can be powerful, but it's an optional opportunity. Wow. So women, you're useless. (laughs) Um, That's what the Mormon church is telling you. You have nothing to contribute. I mean, you can if you want, but like you don't have to. 
But also, even if you do, you can't baptize the people you convert. So, like, what's the point, no. really? You know? We just um, say be pretty. That's it. Yeah, and attract people to, yeah, <laughs> join the church. I know. But, yeah, yes. so they're, they were really hammering on this. Like I mentioned before, like, it is a responsibility. Like, you need to go on a mission. And I really liked this um, in the Tribune article. She pointed out that Russell M. Nelson did not serve a full-time mission. He didn't. I didn't know that. No, I think as far as, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but as far as I know, I don't think the first, the current first presidency, any of them served a mission because it wasn't as intense when they were growing up. I mean, they're really old. So it was like a hundred years ago. They, well, maybe not (laughs) a hundred, 80 years ago. They, uh, (laughs) isn't that interesting? I did not realize that. So I would be so curious if someone were to call him out on that, which of course they would never do. But if someone were to see like what their response would be, if they would say, oh, you know, it was just a different time and blah, blah, blah. Like what excuse they would come up with. And why is it important? You know how they always say it was a different time, but also God is the same always and forever. So he just suddenly decided that missionary work was more important now. He, he likes to change his mind, as we know. He is such a fickle bastard, I tell <laughs> you. Like. A fickle, petty bastard. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, as we know, um, which the Mormons love to bring up at the beginning of COVID, Nelson was a f- pretty uh, successful heart surgeon. So then it's also like, so you didn't go on a mission, but you were able to start and complete your education quicker which would probably help you in your in your career it's just interesting like that they don't take those things into account about themselves but they're telling young people now that it's like an obligation and to give up scholarships to go on a mission I'm sure he did not do that in his time no no yeah okay and the last bit I have is from the women's session I was hoping you'd cover this one because I (laughs) glimpsed over some of the summaries but I didn't go into detail and I was like oh I really hope that you go into some of these I just have one that I saved but um of course we can always go into more of them later um this one was given by Dale G. Renland (laughs) Dale Oh, Dale. <laughs> that reminds me of Step Brothers. You know, Dale and Step Yeah. <laughs> I just want to curl you up into a little ball and shove you up my vagina. <laughs> okay. Um, I almost choked on my water right then. Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and this one I actually did get from the church's website, so it's written a little bit differently, obviously. Um, much more faith-promoting, but... Yeah. It says, Elder Renland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles invited women to center their lives on Jesus Christ and remember the foundational truths found in the church's young women theme, which we still have memorized because we were in a cult. (laughs) Hashtag we were in a cult. (laughs) Hashtag, yep. Um, The theme's opening sentence reminds women that they are daughters of heavenly parents. This, the apostle said, is one of the church's distinctive beliefs. He said, what is known about mother in heaven is summarized in the gospel topics essay. And I was surprised he brought up the gospel topics essay because that's where a lot of people start reading and then like 
start questioning because they're like, what? Yeah, they never promote those. Yeah. So he told them about that. And then he said, once you have read what is there, you will know everything that I know about the subject. I wish I knew more. You too may still have questions and want to find more answers. Seeking greater understanding is an important part of our spiritual development, but please be cautious. Reason cannot replace revelation. Wow, that is so problematic. Reason cannot replace revelation. 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 I wanted to say replication. Why did my brain go there? (laughs) Isn't that crazy like he basically says okay go look on our website about it but don't seek out anything else be really cautious because what other people have to say you know anything that is outside is dangerous basically and reason cannot replace revelation what the actual fuck so any reason you have any rationale like any intelligence research any of that like Wow, it doesn't replace revelation. Revelation, that is like the most absurd concept I found in the church because it's always like, you know, you can receive personal revelation and God will tell you what to do. But like, if you don't get an answer right away, it means you're not really praying about it. Or maybe that's an answer in and of itself. Or maybe like there's so many yes. different variations of yes. what is revelation and what is not. So you or never you can- know. Yeah, and you can make it fit whatever agenda you want. Right? Oh, it, it I made that just shit be... work anytime I want to shut the dog. Yeah, you're like, I prayed about it, and I think I need this new pair of shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I have to go to Germany because God wants me here. I received yeah. revelation. Yeah, it really is like you can kind of make any narrative or agenda fit into this quote-unquote revelation, unless, of course— then it goes against what the church teaches and then it's not real revelation and you need to mm-hmm. pray again. And it's just, it's so stupid to me, but I can see how it's like a powerful tool for mind control, kind of like in the bite model. It's like they're controlling basically what you think through this idea of revelation, but it's only revelation when it's the right thought. Exactly. So. Yep. When it's the quote unquote right one. So the the church is the one. The church is one. Yeah, then it's and, revelation. Yeah, and so don't go asking more about like why you don't pray to Heavenly Mother, which is a legitimate question. Um, all of these oh. t- things about, you know, including like all these feminist topics about like, hey, if like she really is so powerful and she's also my heavenly parent, why can't I pray to her? Why does she need to be protected by Heavenly Father? Is she weak? Like, what's up with this? And yep. then they're just like, no, we don't know. We just don't know. Like, I saw a lot of stuff about this, and that's a uh, case okay, so that's good to know. That's where it stems from. Like a lot of memes or posts from like ex Mormons talking about this heavenly mother con- like discussion, and mm-hmm. how you're just not supposed to talk about it. You're not you're just not supposed to ask questions. Not supposed yeah. To even yeah. Because I think death. I think when you go down that rabbit hole even a little bit you'll run into stuff like the eternal polygamy and it Mm -hmm. comes to light that there's in the doctrine, there's like eternal polygamy, right? So there's heavenly father and probably multiple heavenly mothers because that's supposedly how the afterlife works is the righteous man gets lots of women and they don't want to talk about that because that's uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh my God. I never even thought about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so uh-huh. bizarre. It's all so weird. I. <laughs> Can you remember we used to believe in that? <laughs> yeah. How? I don't understand how I just. I guess it's because we were immersed in it and that we just thought and that we were was in a real. cult. We were in a cult. You guys, we were in a cult. Here we're saying it. Yep. Wow. We were. So those are the little summaries that I picked. Um, I know there's probably lots more, but that's all we could really stomach. For <laughs> I feel like I need to just go take a bath after this, just cleanse myself of this nastiness is what it's, I'm going to call it. It's, it's horrible. Nasty. Yeah. It's all nasty. of it's bad. All of it's bad. Yeah. Oh, God. God. <laughs> I just can't imagine people actually having to watch and listen through all of this stuff. And imagine if we would have done that fantasy conference thing. We would have had to, like, watch the entire thing or read them all. And I would have been traumatized for weeks if that was the case. Exactly. Like, okay, so here's the thing. I was really excited when you found that because I was like, this is such a good idea. But then I actually started thinking about it. And I was like, wow, they want you to guess every talk, every topic, every session. And I don't even... I don't have the no. capacity to to <laughs> go look that up afterwards. <laughs> we would have been a hot mess. So you guys get it. You understand. You understand. We did the best we could. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to play the game and get back to us and show us, then I would I'd be all for it. But I also feel like don't do that to yourself. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Maybe just guess what color that the, the women in the tabernacle <laughs> choir, what color they wore. I guess purple. I wonder if I'm right. They, I know, because do they change colors with every session? So they might have been wearing. So. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. But <laughs> anyways, that's all for now. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week. Yeah, thanks, everyone. And Katie, that was a fantastic cover. So I'm glad that you did the summaries and not from the church's website. Good <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone, have a good week. Be safe and um, wash your damn hands still. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye.